Wasn't that just a fantastic piece of I don't even know what? Our final feature tonight is also my most controversial and is a rather rare deviation from my typical form. Those dreadful know-nothings at the studio insist my pictures are too bleak for the common movie-going public and they suggested that I collaborate with another creative agent. Thus they have arranged for me to work with famed children's poet and author Dr. Noose. You know Noose, the fellow who wrote those obnoxious limericks such as The Chap in the Cap and How the Flinch Saved Fishmas. Oh, I must say, I read some of those poorly illustrated pamphlets to my children and always found them to be nothing but utter rubbish. Anyhow, the experience of working with Dr. Noose on set was rather interesting because he was a bit of an eccentric. Sometimes he would go about the set raving and wailing, having terrible fits, bordering on madness. Occasionally, he'd corner a member of the crew and menace them. You know, the typical celebrity fare, but he had his bad days too. Anyhow, being two strong-willed creative types, we often didn't see eye to eye. I recall one day, having lost my temper, I said to him, How bloody hard is it to write poetry when you can just make up whatever gibberish words you like to fill in the meter? Well, he roared with laughter and we became the dearest of friends ever since. Of course, all of this was before Dr. Noose was convicted of those grisly hitchhiker murders. Oh, dreadful business. As his close personal friend, I remain adamant to this day of his complete and irrefutable guilt. Yes, the man is a monster and must be locked up for the sake of decent society. And now, without further ado, I hope you will all enjoy my collaboration with the legendary, albeit heinously violent, Dr. Noose, entitled Non-Acquaintances on the conveyances. See, that's exactly what I mean. Non-acquaintances. That isn't even a word, is it? It's just some ginned-up gobbledy-gibberish used to create an amusing poem for people under the age of six. Non-acquaintances on the conveyances by Albert Kitchlock and Dr. Noose. Chapter One. Strangers on a Train You've heard it said often, you've heard them explain. If you must commute somewhere, you must take a train. Oh, a train? Yes, a train. A swift ship without sails. A sleek silver eagle on glittering rails. And the people aboard, oh, such people you'll meet. New friends to be made in the very next seat. So our story begins on a train of all places, a story of dangerous friends with strange faces. A beautiful day, all the birds were out singing, the squirrels were out squirreling, the bees were out stinging. But alone on a train, staring off into space, 
with a miserable, heartbroken look on his face, sat a quiet young man who goes by the name Sly. He's our protagonist, although don't ask me why. Hmm? As he stared out the window at countryside passing, Sly wondered how long his foul luck could keep lasting. But had he paused once to consider the matter, he'd realize that bad days can always get badder. A sudden commotion broke Sly's concentration. He turned to politely express his frustration. When in through the doorway, just left of stage right, there burst a remarkable, mind-blowing sight. It was almost a fox, though it wasn't quite that. Impeccably dressed in a crimson cravat. I am Bruno, it said, adding, How do you do? I have so many tricks I can't wait to show you. On its head, it had balanced two fish in a bowl, while it juggled a chainsaw and telephone pole and a barrel of acid, a bundle of wire, a stack of fine china, and something on fire, a flat-screen TV with a remote control, a whole pumpkin pie, plus a half-casserole. And it juggled these things on a pogoing stick. That's not all. That's not all. There is more to my shtick. I will now add a hive of ticked-off killer bees. And he tossed up the nest with incredible ease. That's not all, that's not all. Watch what else I can do. And he started to yodel while juggling too. And he did all these tricks without breaking a sweat. That's not all, that's not all. No, I'm not finished yet. Then he pulled out a gun and played Russian roulette. But between all the bees and the gun interlude, it bit off more bite than is easily chewed. For before it could say, That's not all! That's not all! The fox lost its balance and started to fall. The chainsaw, the acid, the china, the wire, the TV, the bees nest, the something on fire, the casserole, fishbowl and telephone pole, every dang blasted item flew out of control. I got it! I got it! The weird fox thing said as the perilous pile came down on Sly's head. Well, Sly was not thrilled when that big tower spilled. You should watch where you juggle. You'll get someone killed. But instead of the fox thing apologizing, For the pogo stick antics destabilizing, its mouth hung wide open in total surprise, and a very strange look filled its bright little eyes. Now I knew that I know you, it said with a shriek. You're the fellow who won the big lotto last week. And it plopped down on top of the empty train seat, and it stuck out its hand in a gesture to greet. If you please call me Bruno, cause Bruno I am. I'm resilient and clever and don't give a damn. I'm ecstatic to meet you, Fly said with a frown. For a lottery winner, you sure do look down. 
I've never felt gladder before in my life. Is it some kind of matter concerning your wife? How do you know I was married? I don't wear the ring. Well, a fox of my nature knows all sorts of things. I was reading about you today in the news, in one of the tabloids I sometimes peruse. I'm a ravenous reader of cheap scandal sheets, because it pays to stay up on affairs of elites. And I read that your wife has been running around with every available man in the town. I don't have to sit here and listen to slander. When printed, it's libel. Sit down, take a gander. It opened the paper and turned to page three, to a picture of Sly and his ex-wife-to-be. Here it says that Sly Gaines and his lovely wife Joyce are calling it quitsville and getting divorced. She cheated a lot, living life rather wild, then went and got pregnant with some stranger's child. She looked in that pic like the girl from next door. Not at all like a chick who might act like a- Hey! Sorry. Was it really required they print in the papers a six-column spread on her sexual capers? I've heard from a very reliable source that your wife now refuses to get a divorce. She's the kind to go changing her mind on the fly. Also, now that you're rich, you're not such a bad guy. Oh, so now that I've got all this lottery dough, now you want me around and you won't let me go? Mm-hmm. But I won't stay at home every night in this jail. It's my right to go out and get rode like a rail. To tell you the truth, boy, it sure will be swell when she's pushing up daisies and rotting in hell. And at that, Bruno flashed a most devious smile and said, Sly, my guy, we are just the same style. I know what it's like to hate someone so bad. I'm exactly the same when it comes to my dad. Since the day I was born, that man's hated my guts. Wants to lock me away because he thinks that I'm nuts. Makes me clean up my room and he spanks my rear end. Won't allow me to drink or go get a girlfriend. I could stay here all day and list off his offenses. The worst thing of all, he cut off my expenses. Has piles of money, but says I should work. Get a job, punch a clock like some everyday jerk. That's why I do tricks on this train and panhandle. I've all from that man that I can stand to handle. Too bad there's no way we can help one another. I think that there is. Let me tell you how, brother. See, I have an idea. An awful idea. Yes, I have a wonderful, awful idea. The fox leaned in closer toward Sly in his seat. Well, it starts very simply when two strangers meet. See, this way, there's no way of connecting the dots. Just two perfect strangers with two murder plots. Each wants someone dead, but has motive to stop them. So what do they do? Take their murders and swap them. A crisscross, you see. I do yours, you do mine. And we both get away with no motives to find. The police won't suspect that two persons in tandem conspired a plot to go kill someone random. We get a good alibi under our belts, and they'd let us both off because we'd be somewhere else. Our problems would perish with Joyce and my dad. And once they're both buried, good times can be had. Just call me an old-fashioned, slow on the draw, but the last time I checked, that was breaking the law. Oh, don't be so boring, so vastly mind-numbing. They're better off dead. Plus, they both have it coming. And thus, all the chit-chat Sly first found quixotic now took a hard left to be straight-up psychotic. He knew that he had to get off of this train and away from this fox 
who was clearly insane. Well, I've got to be going. Just look at the time. But first, share your thoughts on my ultimate crime. It's a splendid idea. Yeah, good luck with all that. Sly said to the fox in the crimson cravat. I'm so happy to hear you're completely on board. And Sly, in his rush, left that comment ignored. As he scurried right up from his seat, now post-haste. I'll start it right now. There is no time to waste. Then Sly said... Goodbye. And walked out in a hurry. His furry new friend said... There's no need to worry. The look on its kisser was calm and composed. For both of our problems will soon be disposed. Chapter 2. An Affair at the Fair. As the day fades away and the evening set in, a lady in glasses set out for some sin. <laughs> so along with two dates named Tom One ah. and Tom Two, who had yet to agree who'd go first when they screwed the ah. the lady in glasses and polka dot blouse, who you've probably guessed now is Sly's estranged spouse, <laughs> quite eager for somewhere to get some fresh air thought tonight a great night to go out to the fair. <laughs> An affair at the fair. Just imagine the scandal. If Sly found this out, he would fly off the handle. Did Joyce give a damn? No, not one tiny bit. When it came to her husband... I don't give a shit. So Tom One and Tom Two and their date in the glasses walked up to the booth and bought three adult passes. The Toms then high-fived, uh, right. as both felt very sure that tonight was the night they were both gonna score and etch a new mark in the belts which they notched. But Joyce felt uneasy, like she's being watched. So she turned right around, and she faced what she feared. What she saw wasn't scary, the thing was just weird. It looked like a fox, but impeccably dressed in a crimson cravat and a navy blue vest. And it juggled and yodeled and bounced like a spring. And she thought to herself, What an odd little thing. But she shrugged off her worry and rejoined the pair of the two horny toms, and they entered the fair. The lady and toms, who were really both randy. They walked and they laughed. <laughs> yeah, that's rich. <laughs> and they ate cotton candy. And yet all the while, she still felt unnerved. She could not shake the feeling of being observed. So she turned back around, and again, he was there, on his pogoing stick, bouncing up in the air. But instead of playing weird, now this time, it was funny. <laughs> Plus, judged by his suit... He just might have some money. She batted her eyes at the fox down the aisle. It returned a wink and a wry little smile. And now she supposed that he'd sort of looked cute <sighs> in his crimson cravat and his navy blue suit. The calliope blasted its steam-powered sound when the three got in line for the merry-go-round. Now she looked for the fox, but at first couldn't find him, then looked in the line that was forming behind them. And there he was, waiting, 
cravat nicely tied, just a couple spots back in the line for the ride. <sighs> when the time came to pick out the horse of their choice, the dashing young fox took the steed behind Joyce. Then the ride began spinning, and Joyce began singing. The lights of the fairgrounds all started a swinging. And once in a while, she chanced back a glance at the dapper young fox with a hint of romance. Oh, you're cute. And the handsome young fox threw a smile right back, because up to this point, his whole plan was on track. When they got off the ride, then the Toms and the Dame went to go win a prize at the High Striker game. Come one and come all, give the hammer a swing. If you ain't fucking weak, you can make the bell ring. And so up to the stall strode the girl in the specs, with Tom One and Tom Two both still hopeful for sex. Did I mention? She said. I like muscular men. And the Toms were both eager to play the game then. So the first up to bat looked like Tom number two, and he swung all he could. But the puck barely flew. Next, Tom number one tried to show he was strong. So he slammed down the mallet. But two was proved wrong. And then both of the Toms said, The sky was a scam. When the fox grabbed the hammer and gave it a slam, the puck flew way up to the top of the thing, and it struck the steel bell with an ear-splitting ring. The fox is a winner. Well, what a surprise. This lucky young fox can go pick out a prize. The fox scanned the toys on the shelf in a whirl and picked out a bear, which it gave to the girl. Oh, <laughs> How that sweet, thoughtful gift worked to make the girl blush. And the Toms, seeing this, pulled her off in a rush. And they took her away to the edge of the park, where the lights did not reach, so that sector was dark. And they came to the boat ride, corroded with rust. Who'll go on a trip through the tunnel of lust? As the Toms both discussed it and tried to decide which Tom should accompany Joyce on the ride, the next thing they knew, their cute lady was gone, cast off in a boat that was shaped like a swan. Now spent from their heated, confusing kerfuffle, the Toms both went home to play five-knuckle shuffle. Leaving Joyce in a boat in the dark on her own, but she still had the feeling she wasn't alone. When the voice said, Excuse me, she jumped like a cat. Then she saw that sweet fox in the crimson cravat, <laughs> sitting there in her swan with a smile so charming, she thought he seemed harmless and wholly disarming. It asked, By some chance, would your name be Joyce, miss? And she answered, It is. And leaned in for a kiss. Mm. And that's when it lunged, and it grabbed for her throat, and their fight nearly sunk the decrepit swan boat. For she kicked and she screamed, and she tried to cry. Help! But his grip was too tight. All that came out was, Yelp! 
When her glasses got smashed at some point in the struggle, she bashed the bee's nest he brought with him to juggle. She felt very dumb that she nearly had kissed him and wished she had not left the Tom-Buddy system. The more she resisted, the harder it strangled, then bent her neck back at a very bad angle. And so ended the life of that harlot named Joyce. Now Sly has no need to go get a divorce. Chapter 3 Do it, do it, just for me. It was four in the morning by Sly's alarm clock, when, aroused from his sleep by a furious knock, Sly went to the door and undid the bolt locks. And who else would he see there but Bruno the fox? <laughs> but sleepily, Sly had not one goddamn clue who was at his front door. Who the Sam Hill are you? Why, Sly, my old pal, please don't say you forgot your new best buddy, Bruno. I've missed you a lot. He tried to recall, but he did so in vain. Then it finally struck him. The fox from the train? I was just passing by. So the clever fox lied. Thought I'd see how you've been. Won't you ask me inside? No, come back again when it's not 4 a.m. And he threw the door shut in its face with a slam. But as Sly turned around to head back to his bed, hmm? he found the weird fox thing behind him instead. Why, Sly, I'm surprised you're this rude to a chum. Still, I brought you a gift, which should lift you up some. Then it pulled out a pair of half-pulverized specks, which looked like the kind always worn by his ex. Then the room started spinning. Sly thought he'd be sick. I was sure it was painless and all over quick. Sly picked up the frames with a fragmented glass, and he felt all his guts fall down into his ass. Did you think I'd forget to go through with our plan? I'd knock off your wife and you waste my old man, just like we arranged when we met on the train. But Sly shook his head. You're completely insane. This crazy idea was all yours from the start, and I never agreed to join in or take part. Sly, it breaks my poor heart when you speak those cruel lies. Call me crazy again and I'll stab out your eyes! And besides, it's too late. She's already quite dead. And to prove it to you, look, I chopped off her head. And it pulled out her noggin and stuffed in its paw. And she worked like a puppet by moving her jaw. I'm so happy, so lucky. I love being dead. The fox's new fun severed head puppet said, Say I bet Bruno's pops with a death is the tops. You should hop on his chest till his pacemaker stops. Get out of my house, you sick murderous cad. Stop being a dick and just go kill his dad. Never come back again, Sly proclaimed in a shout. Get the fuck out of here. Did you hear me? Get out. <sighs> that Bruno lad, that Bruno lad. I cannot stand that Bruno lad. Hey, don't forget to kill my dad. I do not want to kill your dad. I will not do it, Bruno lad. Will you kill him, please, today? I will not kill him, not today. I will not do it. Go away. I do not want to kill your dad. I will not do it, Bruno lad. Where to, Mac? 
Hmm? Will you grab him in a cab? Will you give his back a stab? I will not grab him in a cab. I will not give his back a stab. I will not kill him. Not today. I will not do it. Go away. I do not want to kill your dad. I will not do it, Bruno lad. Will you ice him in a blizzard? Will you face him with a wizard? <laughs> not in a blizzard or a cab? With a wizard or a stab? No. I will not kill him. Not today. I will not do it. Go away. I do not want to kill your dad. I will not do it, Bruno lad. Do it, do it just for me. Put this poison in his tea. I won't put poison in his tea. Try it, try it, and you'll see it makes him bleed internally. I won't put poison in his tea to make him bleed internally. I will not ice him in a blizzard, will not face him with a wizard, No. will not grab him in a cab, I will not give his back a stab, I will not kill him, not today, I will not do it, go away, I do not want to kill your dad, I will not do it, Bruno lad. A train, a train, a train, a train! You should hit him with the train! Not with a train or with his tea. You're so insane. Why can't you see? Why not drop him down a well? Just say he tripped before he fell. I will not drop him down a well. Then overdose him on cocaine. Won't overdose him on cocaine, not down a well or with a train, and won't put poison in his tea. You're so insane. Why can't you see? Not in a cab or in a blizzard, with a stab or with a wizard. No. I will not kill him. Not today. I will not do it. Go away. You do not want to kill my dad? I do not want to, Bruno lad. Push him down 39 steps. Sitcom star Maynard G. Krebs. Good stuff, Maynard. I do not want Maynard G. Krebs to push him down 39 steps or overdose him on cocaine, nor will I hit him with a train. Not down a well or drug his tea. You go to hell. Don't bother me. I will not ice him in a blizzard, will not face him with a wizard, will not grab him in a cab, I will not give his back a stab, I will not kill him, not today, I will not do it, go away, I do not want to kill your dad, I will not do it, Bruno lad. You don't like killing, so you say, try it, try it, and you may. <sighs> you know, Bruno, you are right, if I try it, I just might. It seems I'm left one thing to do, and that one thing is killing you. Kill me? Kill me? Just you try? You think you can, but soon you'll die! Now I will kill you, Bruno lad. It's time to die. Your fun's been had. I'll push you down 39 steps with sitcom star Maynard G. Krebs. I'll overdose you on cocaine. I'll drug your tea and use a train. And then I'll drop you down a well. You're gonna die and go to hell. I will ice you in a blizzard. I will face you with a wizard. I will grab you in a cab. I will give your back a stab. 
I will kill you. Yes, today. It's time to die and go away. So long, Bruno. I'll be glad. So goodbye, goodbye, Bruno lad. And what happened then? Well, the autopsies show that he stabbed Bruno's heart 20 times in a row. And he threw it downstairs, and he poisoned its tea. And because Sly was wealthy, he got off scot-free. Plus his wife was still dead, so Sly walked on cloud nine. So I guess all in all, things had worked out just fine. But don't let this rare and somewhat happy ending inspire a habit of random befriending. Yes, failing to warn you of life's many dangers, just take my advice, and please, don't talk to strangers. <laughs>